0: Well, good morning. good morning. It's good to see you guys today. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now uh, from an off-site campus or on the internet or a podcast, or maybe you're in one of the venues here, the chapel or the warehouse. Uh, we're glad that you're along uh, also. We're in a series we're calling Love Song. You know, I'm thinking about extending this series just so that we can play more love songs. I, they, I love the... Here at the... Here at the uh, Uh, Long Point Campus, we just uh, rocked out on a little old-school Beatles. You just can't beat that. And, uh, you know, this this is not your grandma's church, right? We we said that last week. It's it's great to see all of you guys. Uh, Series from Song of Solomon, and we're not tracking verse by verse through it because... It, it kind of doesn't lend itself to that. It's it's poetry. In fact, one of the guys last week told me, "Dude, I'm having a hard time really understanding what's going on in Song of Solomon." I said, "That's why you need to read it more often." Okay, so anyway, we're going. We're trying to read it during the week, uh, all eight chapters. Hopefully, some of you did that. Uh, we started the first week uh, talking about uh, a case for marriage. Why why even get married? And uh, that was kind of a message to both singles and, and uh, married couples. Last week, uh, how to build your marriage, basically to married couples. Hopefully, singles got something out of it. Uh, this week, I want to talk to singles. And hopefully, married couples will get a little something out of this, too. And when I say talk to singles, I want to tell you, we love you. I mean, I'm your pastor. love being your pastor. I really don't see like singles married you know when i look at people it's like we're all kind of one you know what i mean it seriously uh, in the new testament it says that there's no male or female or you know there's no uh, kind of uh, racial things going on this is a it, the church is just a great place to be that being said today i want to try to address some issues that specifically are singles and and you know singles aren't one size fit fits all either i have some friends in this church that are uh, they feel like that they are single for a season, and it's good and it's right, and not looking for anything else, and God has them right where they want to be. And I think that's great. And uh, there are others that, man, they're just loving their life as a single, know that someday it'll probably be different. They'll probably be married. and That's great. I know some who are coming off of a divorces, and they're really in a hard place, in a, in a hard time. I know some that are really lonely, that really want to be married, and it doesn't seem to be... You know, that the right guy or girl is uh, on the horizon. And a series like this, Marriage Series, honestly, is real painful for you. And uh, I want to try to be sensitive to that. Um, I don't want to treat you, you know, differently or, you know, churches oftentimes just don't get it when it comes to singles. And I'm not saying we do and I, I don't. There, you know, I blow it in a lot of ways. But I want you to, I want you to know I love you. And, uh, I'm going to present some principles today that uh, you may or may not agree with. And remember at Seacoast, you don't have to agree with me. You have a right to be wrong, right? Okay, so we know that up front. <laughs> I'm probably not going to preach. This is not like a preachy message, three points and a nice ending. I'm going to talk to you, and i got ten things I want to say, so we'll have to get right through it. So I'm just going to kind of talk. And and uh, what what I want to do is, is come at it from this point of view. Song of Solomon, you read that and you go, where do you find somebody like her? Or where do you find a guy like him? I mean, what planet do they come off of? I mean, what, what incredible love, and they just say all the right things and all that. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't tell us much about where they came from. It's just a poem that talks about love. Uh, what I do know is that there are other places in the Bible that talk specifically about love relationships. And I want to take one of those Today, in fact, I'm going to jump into Genesis 4, kind of circle Genesis 4. I'm not going to read the whole passage. Maybe you want to read it later. One of the cool things about this series is the um, conversations that are coming out of it, uh, which is awesome. That's probably as good as anything I'm teaching, is the things that you're saying to one another. And hopefully this will spark some of those today. And you can go back and read Genesis 24 and you say, well, how does that fit with Song of Solomon? It does. It's, it, in fact, we're going to talk about it a little bit. But it's kind of like it would be a prelude if you were going to say, this message probably should have been at the beginning. And you say, well, why wasn't it at the beginning? Because I like the TV show Lost. And you can kind of spring this way or that way or do whatever you want to. And I'm preaching, so it doesn't really matter, right? So, so we're going to do kind of a prelude this week on week number three. Genesis 24, it's a love story. It's a beautiful love story. Uh, but the, the, the choosing of a wife and the love relationship of Isaac and Rebecca. Now, let me talk to you a little bit about what went on there. The, uh, actually, the chapter before, uh, Isaac loses his mother, Sarah. She dies. Um, she's Abraham's wife. They have a wonderful love relationship. Devastating thing when one spouse dies. That's his mother. And, Chapter 24 begins with Abraham. And it says he's exceedingly old, very old guy. And he wants to find a wife for his son, Isaac. It's his responsibility as a father to be involved in the process. Isaac is 40 years old and he needs a wife. And so Abraham gets his oldest servant. This guy's got to be a lifelong friend. And they get together. I want you to think of uh, Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon, grumpy old men, okay, in a tent in the desert is what we've got here. And Abraham calls his servant over and he says, I got something really important. I need you to swear a covenant. Make a commitment with me. So come on over, put your hand underneath my thigh. I don't know what's up with that. I am really glad we don't do that today. We just put our hand up like this. But Abe says, this is really important. I need you to swear some. Come over and get your hand underneath my thigh. So he comes over and he does that. You got that picture. Abraham says, okay, Isaac needs a wife. And here's what I want you to swear to. I want you to help me find one. And I, you swear to me you will not get one of the Canaanite women that live around here. She's got to be in our clan, in our faith. Very, very important. Now, we know looking back that one of the reasons was that... Isaac and and uh, his kids and grandkids and all that were going to be the lineage for Jesus, and God had a very definite plan for it. But Abraham says, "I don't want him worshiping other gods. I want you to get. I want you to get a wife. I want you, you here. So I want you to go back to our homeland, and I want it to be among our family. You got to understand that was okay back then. It's okay in Kentucky now. We know that it was okay <laughs> there back then." So he says i want you to go back to our homeland and i want you to get uh i want you to get a wife from there and a, a believing wife and then the 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 uh, servant says well what if i find a girl but she doesn't want to come back here is it okay if i have isaac move back there he said get your hand back on over here put it underneath my thigh you need to get this is important he said I don't want that to happen. God has sworn that this is our land. He made a covenant with me. Our future is right here. You get one that will come back here. If you, if, if you can't find one that will come back here, I'll let you go of your oath. You don't have to do this. And so he says, okay, I'll go do that. And so he, him and he, he has a posse that goes with him. He has actually 10 camels uh, full of people that go. And he goes back and travels several days to the homeland. Now, when he gets there, he goes immediately to Starbucks, okay? Just trust me, go read it. It goes to the well, okay? And the well is like the Starbucks of the time. Every city has one or two or three of them, depending on the size of the city. It's the third place. It's where they hang out. And at this particular time is when evidently the believing women went to the Starbucks because it says that Rebecca was there with the women, as was the habit at the time. And she happened to be a barista that day, I guess. And when the servant comes to the to the well, he prays. And he says, God, please help me today. Here's how I want a sign from you. And here's what I want it to be. When I find the right woman, I, she has to be, first of all, from the family of Abraham. And secondly, she, she will serve me. But not only me, she will serve all of my camels and water everybody here. And uh, and she'll be a woman of character and hospitality. Amen. And so about that time, here comes Rebecca. And Rebecca says, uh, can I serve you? Uh, and he says, I'll have a tall, skinny caramel macchiato. And so she says, okay, how about some coffee for your camels? And he goes, wow, this might be the one. And so she waters the camels. And after she gets done, he says, let me explain why I'm here. First of all, he gives her a ring for her nose. We do it on our finger now, ladies. Aren't you glad for that? Then it was in the nose. And some other gifts. And she says, he explains what he's there for, that he's been looking and she may be the one. About that time, her brother comes up and she tells her brother about this. Her brother says, bring him home. We got to check him out. So they bring him home and they feed him. And before he will eat anything, he says, I need to tell you what's going on. So the brother and the dad listen to the whole deal, get the whole story, And they say, God must be in this. How do you feel, Rebecca? She says, okay. And so she loads up on the camels, goes home, takes several days to get there. Isaac sees her and he is so smitten. The last verse says, he loved her deeply, 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 deeply. And it begins a wonderful, wonderful love story. Now, what I want to do is I want to talk about how do you find the love of your life? How do you find the right one? Let me give you 10 kind of simple rules, okay? Rule number one, thou shalt know the difference between dating and courtship, okay? Thou shalt know the difference between dating and courtship. How many of you have ever been on a date? Raise your hand real quick. Okay, come on, come on. It's not a trick. Raise your hand. How many you have been on a date? All right, good. It is kind of a trick. Dating was first used as a word for prostitution in 1896. (laughs) Did you know that? Among the lower classes, it was a code word for you know what. Just a little history for you. Now it's progressed a little bit. Here's what I know about dating. First of all, dating is privately overseen by the couple. Uh, In our culture, the date is strictly between a guy and a girl. privately overseen, maybe he might say, hi, you're cute, you want to go out in my car, let's break some of the Ten Commandments. Just kind of a (laughs) private thing. There really isn't a goal to dating, okay? You just date, okay? It's Friday night, Saturday night, let's go out, you know? Let's go with you this week and you next week and different one, whatever. It's just, there's really no goal. And relationships are open. You know, you can, uh, you date other people on the side, whether he or she knows it or not. Maybe you're open to that, whatever. So nobody has a right to speak into our relationship. We don't know what we're doing, but we're going to do it with lots of people. That's the definition of dating. A better way is called courtship. Courtship, okay? Courtship is not a private deal. It's kind of, it welcomes the involvement of friends and family. Kind of the history of courtship is uh, back in the day, you might build a house that had a parlor. If you ever been to your grandparents' house, had a parlor, had a little upright piano, a couple of seats in there, whatever. And what would happen is, dad and mom with uh, dad with mom's help would make a list of suitable quarters if it was time to get married. Uh, had a daughter have a list. And then they'd call them in. They'd send them invitations and they'd bring them in one at a time. And they'd come into the parlor and they'd sit down, have a cup of tea, and then they'd ask them questions and make them sweat, okay? That's kind of how the process, process worked. Well, these days, those that practice courtship, at the very least, they have their friends and family involved in the process. It's not a private kind of a deal. And there's a goal. The goal of courting is to get married or not. It's to figure out, Okay, the reason we're going out, the reason we're seeing each other is we're trying to see, are you the right one? Uh, Are are we ultimately going to get married? There is a goal. And it's it's exclusive. You don't see a whole bunch of people or see this one on the side or that one on the side. It's exclusive. We're seeing one person to find out if this is the person. If it is, then we're going to make marriage plans. If it's not, we're going to amicably move on. So um, thou shalt know the difference between dating and... In courtship number two if you're going to find the right person thou shalt not pursue a non-believer thou shalt not pursue a non-believer this is a big deal for abraham get your hand underneath my thigh on this one buddy he says don't be going and finding one who is outside of the faith it was a big deal it's, this is not popular Anytime I teach this type of thing, it's like, come on, Greg. I mean, you're cutting off a big portion of the, the <clears throat> possible candidates. You know what? It was a big deal in the New Testament too. In, Galatia, or in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, it says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? And it's crucial. Why? Well, you know, God has his reasons and I don't have to be his lawyer. But the deal is this. I've seen so many couples over the years. And usually, honestly, it's the female that's the believer and the, and the male that's not. And um, they, didn't, they didn't court long enough to figure that out. Maybe it wasn't even an issue or maybe he pretended. That's why we say, you know, you ought to go through a whole season together in the courting process um, Summer, fall, winter, spring. Because it's easy to kind of pretend to be something for a few months, but for a full year, that whole facade falls apart and you figure out you guys are kind of sailing at the same level. Uh, But to have, especially a female who will say, you know, the person I love doesn't cherish the same thing I do. And it's difficult, it's a challenge. Now, if you're in that situation, I'm not saying use that as an excuse to separate or divorce, because it's not right. What you need to do is you need to just live Jesus before your spouse. Serve them and let them see that uh, he's making a difference uh, in your life. But you know what? If you're not married, don't look there. Don't go there. And you say, okay, all right, maybe I'll win him to the Lord. That's called missionary dating. She's hot. She should be a Christian. I'm going to date her. <laughs> no, no. In fact, if they do become a believer, be their friend. But let's back off the whole marriage talk because they need to grow in the Lord. You need somebody who is who is not just a believer, but somebody who's growing in the same way that you are, has the same callings as you do, kind of compatible, emotionally compatible. As you get the idea that Isaac was 40 years old before he was ready. Guys take a little longer, okay, sometimes. It's just a thought. Anyway, so... Um, Thou shalt not pursue a non-believer. Uh, number three, thou shalt look for a wife where the believing women are. Let me talk to the guys for a minute. Guys, they're not at Hooters, okay? <laughs> yeah. Just aren't any good women anymore. Well, it's where are you hanging out, okay? This is a great place to hang out right here, Seacoast Church, it really is. There's a lot of good Christian men and women. And you know what? Abraham's servant traveled 450 miles to find the believing women. You need to be looking in the right places. Now, that being said, if you're a player, (laughs) the brothers are are watching for you. If you're just here kind of playing, you know, and you're just a trail of broken hearts or whatever, uh, it it does my heart great good to sniff you out and snuff you out. Okay? (laughs) Okay? leave, all right, because that's not what we're about, not at all. Uh, This ought to be a a safe community, and I know that as large as it is, there are times that uh, people with bad motives and wrong motives uh, uh, come through. But look for a a wife uh, where the believing women are. Number four, thou shalt court a wife. I'm going to talk to the men again. Thou shalt court a wife through her father, provided she has a good one see one of daddy 's roles are as a protector. We played defense <laughs> oh gosh this is there 's so much good stuff uh, <laughs> on that. <laughs> when the foyer just now, heard one guy, after I talked about this at a men's meeting one time, guy said, I'm going to step up and be, I don't know why. I, guys, we don't know how to do it. You know what I mean? We're clueless when it comes to being a husband. That's why we have to be taught a lot. And this daddy thing is hard, but we get it. And I, I can remember, um, I, I was, uh, <coughs> all I did, I didn't like some of the guys that were coming around. You know, they weren't the ones that we had prayed for. And... Uh, <laughs> And one of my friends in ministry said, you need to step up and be a man. You need to step up and be the protector daddy. And, well, I was teaching that to the guys. One of the guys' uh, wives was saying that daddy daddy uh, didn't know what to say. Finally, he sat down with the first guy his daughter was going to date. And he said, uh, if you even so much as break her heart, I'm going to chase you like a dog. You know, the guy never came back. I don't know if that's good or bad. But. I remember I used to have a little conversation with the guys. You know, I'd I'd have them come in and have a conversation. I've talked about that before and say, here's what I'm looking for in a guy that's going to marry my daughter. I want him to be a a radical, committed believer. I want him to be a leader in life. I want him to be a man of respect. I remember one of the guys said, well, hey, I'm just 17. I'm not looking to marry anybody. And I said, that's what dating or courtship is about. That's how we do it in our family. And I unfortunately had to tell him he was not a leader. He's a loser. And he was. (laughs) And, uh, you know. I told him I would help him be a leader if he wanted me to, but he didn't qualify to date my daughter at that particular point. But here's the end shot of it. Here's what was cool about that whole process is that we have two daughters. I have two son-in-laws. They're awesome. Both of my son-in-laws called me before they began to court my daughters. One of them was out of state, and so he called me. I didn't know him. And he asked, could I have permission to date your daughter? And I interviewed him a little bit on the phone. And after I... I hung up. I went down and I told my wife, I said, you know what? I was kind of a little weepy. And I said, uh, uh, I, I think I've just talked to the one that we've been praying for all of our, all of her life. And he became that. And it was cool. Uh, my other son-in-law came into my office and made an appointment and said, I want to talk to you. And I kind of had an idea what it was about. And he said, I, I'd like permission to to court your, your daughter. And uh, I I knew him and I said it would be an honor. And here's what's cool. There's a couple of things that are cool about that. Number one, when we walked down the aisle, when I walked down the aisle and, and the pastor uh, stood in the front and said, who gives this woman to be married to this man? I confidently took their arm and placed it in the arm of my future son-in-law and said, her mother and I. And I said it with honor because he didn't do an end run on my daughter's heart. I was able to give her heart, give her arm rather than feeling like he stole her love from her daddy. And that's a cool deal, guys. Honor, honor her father. Um, Another piece of that is um, you're going to want the blessing of grandparents on their relationship. I was talking to a guy in the foyer today that said, uh, that he had to ask three times before they would they would they would do it. He was persistent. First two times they said no. I said good for you, yay! And I could tell that there was there was an honoring there, and there was something that was important. You want to know why we have a good relationship with our grand grandkids? Part of it is because our our um, uh, son-in-laws and hopefully my sons did the same thing, and I I know that they did. Honored father and honored mother. You say, well, what if they don't have? Father or mother, what if I don't have a believing dad? Or maybe my dad went to be with the Lord. Court through brothers, court through family, court through a pastor. That's the role of a pastor. There have been a couple of guys with girls I've had to sit down with, and they asked me, they invited me into the thing, and I just say, I don't think so. You know, I'm just going to be honest with you, I don't think so. Uh, Court through a small group, you know, whatever it is, relationship, but, but open it up and do the honoring. Uh, honoring thing. And don't bring them in late in the process. Do it before you give your heart away. You know, uh, when a girl comes up and says, hey, I love him, we're engaged, what do you think? I've had that happen right out here. And it's like, what difference does it make what I think? It doesn't. You've already given your heart away. So bring people in. I'm not saying you bring me into the process. I'm not talking only if you're really close to me and know me very, very well. And you need that. But bring your family and friends. And don't do it late, you know, in the fourth quarter. Do it so they can help you. And if if your potential spouse doesn't want to meet your father or your family or your pastor or your small group, they don't want to jump through that hoop, you need to run. That is a red light going off that says this is not the right one or this certainly isn't the right time, okay? Number five, let me quickly. Thou shalt only pursue a woman who will make a godly wife and mother. I want to be careful about this, but I feel strongly about it. There are women who are great for a weekend, but bad for a legacy. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I went to a football game recently, and uh, and there was a guy that came in, row in front of us, and he he, he, he brought this girl, and she was attractive, uh, sleazy looking, to be honest with you. Some people would call it hot. Uh, Dress way too short and way too short. And she's drunk, you know, tailgated on the way in and she's drunk. And she's like, you know, party animal, you know. And and at first he's kind of digging that and she's kind of all over him. But after a while, she's flirting with every guy. In fact, I, I watched her give her phone number to a guy two rows back. And so I watch the guy that she comes in with and he's just getting more and more irritated, more and more irritated. Finally, he says, let's leave, let's go. And he's going to take her home and she won't go. And so he leaves her there, which I think in that case was the right choice. And she just moved from guy to guy to guy. And I'm thinking, you know, he thought she was hot. And that's not the kind of girl that, you, you know, you look at her and you go, do I want my daughters to be like that? I thought that's somebody's daughter. She's an alcoholic already as a college student. Is that what I want my daughters to be like? Is that, what I want my, is, is that the kind of mother that I want for my kids and grandma for my grandkids? See, um, a fool thinks about the weekend. A wise man thinks about the fifth generation. And so, and so it, only pursue women that will make a godly wife and mother. Number six, thou shalt be in one relationship at a time. Can I tell you? I'm going to go Greg on you just for a minute, okay? (laughs) Stupidest television show on TV ever in the history of mankind. The Bachelor. Okay? There are some females in my realm of living that like it, and I'm praying for them. (laughs) 26 women... Competing for the love of a jerk. (laughs) Hey, let's get in a hot tub together and see if we're compatible. I want to throw up. Which 25 will have their hearts broken? And who will end up on medication and in therapy as damaged goods as a result of this stupidity? Have I made myself clear? One at a time. Meet them, get to know them, see if it works out. Some of you, I've already mentioned players, some of you girls, guys, you go to multiple churches. Now, I understand that to some degree, you know, trying to, but don't go chasing. But you go to multiple church. you're in multiple groups, you've got multiple names on your phone, you're dating all over the place, cool it. You are not going to find, you're going to find heartaches what you're going to find. If, if you want it blessed God's way, you do it God's way. Okay? One at a time, one relationship at a time. Uh, see, the servant doesn't set up a competition to marry the rich guy, okay, with, with uh, Rebecca. Uh, he prayerfully brings home one woman, and you need to be in one relationship at a time, and that's it. Number seven thou shalt have no sexual contact until the appropriate time. You know, we talk about dating. These days, college, some in high school, there's no time for dating, no reason for dating. It's just a hookup culture. And what you find is that Isaac and Rebecca are not hooking up, okay? They're not hooking up. If you read um, Song of Solomon this week, you read uh, several times it said, here's one of them in Song of Solomon 8.4, the young woman says this, young women of Jerusalem swear to me that you will not awaken love or arouse love before its proper time. Don't arouse love. It's talking about the private um, expression of love. There is a public expression and there is a private expression. And the private expression is not to be aroused until when? Until marriage. And then last week we said, make up for lost time, you know. But (laughs) glad you got that. You shouldn't be making out. You shouldn't be groping and touching. Why? Because their body belongs to the Lord, number one. Number two, if this doesn't work out, that may be somebody else's husband or somebody else's wife, okay? You're causing all kinds of issues. Now, that being said, I know it's hard. This is a difficult issue because you love somebody. And let's say that you've been in a relationship with them for a while. and You're going to get married soon and... Gosh, you know it's hard because your body's crying out for the private expression of love. How do you handle that? In fact, I've gotten several questions uh, this week, and the Q A session is going to be very interesting. Can I tell you? We're going to have a Q and A at the end of this thing. It's not going to be PG thirteen; it's R. I'm warning you already. <laughs> you guys are perverted. I'm going to have to answer your questions. We'll we'll, we'll answer, and and some of you are perverted, but some of you just want to know, okay? So that's all right. But this one, how far should we go? I've been asked that several several times, both personally and and that's a great question because it's hard, it's coming from a, a place. So let me talk about that just for a minute. Frankly, when President Clinton, in reference to an alleged affair with a White House intern, boldly declared, I did not have sex with that woman, He redefined sex for a whole generation. He really did. Illicit illicit sex was now defined very narrowly and very strictly as vaginal intercourse. And anything else doesn't count. Um, There have been several um, kind of purity programs or chastity programs or whatever. One of them is True Love Waits. Some of you have heard of True Love Waits. started by the Baptist in 1993. It's a great program. And basically what happens is you get young adults, high school kids, college, whatever, uh, middle school, who come to a rally. There's preaching and teaching, and there's a lot of great music. And then at the end, they make a commitment to purity, purity, until the day that they're married. Uh, University of Northern Kentucky in 2003 did a study, and they found that, Um, you know, several obviously broke the commitment, but of those who, who said, I did not break the commitment, I did not break the commitment. Of those that said, I did not break the commitment, I was pure till the day I was married. I retained my virginity. Of that group, a little over half admitted to having had oral sex, but they said that didn't break the virginity pledge oh, let's kind of play the president and the student's logic out here today at Seacoast, okay? If you're, um, how many of you are married, okay? If your husband or wife (laughs) said, honey, yeah, I had oral sex with the neighbor, but it doesn't count as adultery. How's that going to play on Home Street? (laughs) This is what I want to say to you. I know it's hard. I want to say to you if you're going to do it God's way and call it purity, don't be redefining it. It's not right. If it quacks like a duck, it walks like a duck, and it looks like a duck, it ain't a turkey. Okay, how do you know that? (laughs) How do you know that? So either do the right thing. I'm calling you out right now. That doesn't play. It doesn't play in God's court. Call it what it is. And If you want to go there before marriage, go there. But you're sinning, okay? And you're violating what God wants for your relationship. And I would go further and say, you're probably making it where you're going to have a hard time listening to God and choosing uh, the right one. So where do you draw the line? Lauren Winter? great book real sex the naked truth about chastity just write down real sex and you can amazon that one it, it, unless your work has a, a thing that says you can't go there but anyway <laughs> great book i tried to get lauren to come and teach this herself and she was booked up right now but uh great book because she's a single that struggles with all the issues and it's not like you know pie in the sky, everything's wonderful. She's real, real life struggles with this and trying to serve God in this way. Uh, she attended uh, University of Virginia and uh, I haven't been there, but I guess there is you know a place that you can take romantic walks around the campus and you can kind of at sunset go up on the rotunda and it's just kind of a neat place for lovers to go. And she said that she asked her um, her pastor, campus pastor there, how far do you go? I mean, we're struggling with this whole thing. And he said, here's a rule of thumb. Don't do anything sexual that you wouldn't be comfortable doing on the steps of the rotunda. And she said, well, that makes sense. So they went up that night to the rotunda and they started to kiss. That was great. They were comfortable with that. Long, passionate kiss. They were comfortable with that. Groping, Mm, not so much. Taking their clothes off right there. Yeah, I don't think that's what we're going to do. And so she said it became for them kind of a visual, this is what we do in our public handle our public sexuality is what we would do. So I would say if you're here, whatever you would do on a walk on the Ravenel Bridge, okay? That's <laughs> basically going to kind of do it. All right, number eight. Thou shalt pursue holiness, humility, hard work, and hospitality instead of a husband. The question is this, what do I do while I wait? um and Re- rebecca i think is a is a is an incredible picture of this because here's here's what happens you've obviously got a godly woman here she's a woman of character she's a woman that uh served uh, she's a woman that uh, uh practiced hospitality and she's a woman that woke up that day not knowing that an encounter that she would have would change her entire future She didn't really know that she was going to meet her husband. She just did the things that she did. Her life reflected who she was. And because her life reflected well, she was ready at the point when God brought a man into her life to change her life. This is tough stuff. Because some of you are hurting right now. Not everybody is, but there are some that are in this process. Can I just say... You don't have to be married to be whole. Some people have this idea, well, you're a half and there's another half running out there somewhere and you know you put the two halves together and that's your soulmate. Problem with that is what happened when one person back in 1432 picked the wrong one and then it screwed it up for everybody else and so you got a bunch of halves running around that don't work, you know. No, you're whole. God's purposes can flow through you Right now, wherever you are, married or single, you can worship God with all of your heart. You can serve uh, the community and serve God. You can make a difference in the world. Become a godly woman. Become a godly man. Serve Him with a passion. Don't focus all your energy on, i got to get married, the time clock's going, all of this type of thing. You just do the right things and allow God to bring whatever He brings into your life. If God gives you a husband, great, you'll be ready. If God doesn't at that particular season, great. You'll be a godly woman and you will find fulfillment in serving him or a godly guy. So um, pursue holiness and character uh, rather than a husband or wife. Number nine, thou shalt choose to love the one you marry. Thou shalt choose to love the one you marry. Isaac loved Rebecca and he'd never seen her before the day that he was married to her. We have this weird concept in America. We fall in and out of love. Well, I'm in love. Well, I'm not in love anymore. No, you fall in mud puddles. You don't fall in love. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives. Did you know that that command was given in a culture where they didn't necessarily fall in love and then get married? It was given in a culture where their spouses were actually chosen for them. Um, I taught in India for several years, leadership and I remember uh, talking to this uh, young guy, talented, good-looking guy, 25 years old. I said, are you looking for a wife? And he looked at me like, you're crazy. He said, you know what? My dad's looking for the right woman right now. And he explained to me how that worked, that it wasn't like he, he had the option of first refusal. You know, what would happen? His dad and mom would find a family that was good and a, a girl, and they'd get together. And if they seemed to to to, you know, have this thing going on then he could say yes or he could say no and they would look for someone else but in the indian model in america we marry the one we love in india they love the one that they marry and that's probably a little closer to biblical terms i think we can match the two I'm not saying we we need to throw it all out look for the right one but when you find a you you love the one that you marry that's more important yeah. anyway I'd like to talk more about that, but uh, we're about done in time. Uh, Number 10, uh, thou shalt ask for God's help daily. Thou shalt ask for God's help daily. The servant, first thing he did is he prayed. He said, God, I desperately need you. Listen, in this pursuit of a spouse, you need God's help every day. If you're married, you need God's help every day. If you're married and have kids, you need God's help every minute, okay? (laughs) And so, and so, and so pray and you know what pray for your future spouse Um, parents pray for the spouse of your kids Uh, friends pray for your friends small group pray every day for those who you know are maybe they're already in relationship or maybe they want to be just pray for one another ask for God's help God answers prayers of faithful people do you agree with that? Let's pray right now. Father, I thank you today for your kingdom. I thank you for your word. And I pray that somehow today that your word would take root in our hearts in this whole area of relationship. Uh, God, that you would uh, redirect us, refocus us today, maybe on principles that are eternal, not just contemporary. And uh, Lord, I pray for all of those in this room and in rooms that are listening uh, to me right now maybe in other places, that our hearts would be open to receive a word from you. What are you saying to us? And what are we gonna do with it? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.